0: Three CR Breakfast. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Alternative news, analysis, Clap and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am oh, yeah. to 830 am Only double. Clap your hands.
2: On. <laughs> baby, baby, baby. Good morning, and welcome to Three CR Breakfast. Good morning, Grace. Good morning, Shaharazad. How are you? I'm not too bad. So today we are
3: missing Dean and Rashida, but Dean will be back next week and Rashida will miss you while you're in France. Um, we would like to acknowledge that we're on stolen Aboriginal land of the Wurundjeri Nation and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Um, on today's show, we have a bunch of stuff. Uh, we're going to talk... First up, we're going to talk to John... Um, Passan, who had a conversation with Kevin Healy from City Limits um, about the current state of politics. And then at 7.25, we're going to talk to um, Annika, who is the National Education Officer of the uh, National Union of Students. We're going to be talking about a protest at Adani. At
2: 7.40, we're going to talk to Shakira Hussain about um, the medically assisted dying bill. That just passed in Parliament yesterday, mm-hmm. Victorian Parliament. Yep. <laughs> um, and then after that, we're
3: going to talk to Dolly, to Dr Holly McAway, who's an academic at Macquarie University, um, about the Northern Territory Royal Commission into Youth Detention that I handed down its report last Friday.
2: Yeah. And to, to add to that, we'll also be talking to Roxanne Moore, um, who is the Indigenous uh, Rights uh, Spokesperson for Amnesty.
4: United Struggle Project presents The Change Revolutionary Hip-Hop Theatre Evolution to Revolution Join us for an interactive performance Taking audience on an epic journey Through the Collingwood Estate underground car park Transformed into many worlds for you to explore Friday the 24th of November, 7pm, or the Matinee Show at 3pm on Saturday, November the 25th. $10 or $5 unwaged. No one turned away. Get your tickets now at Eventbrite or through our Facebook page.
5: Hey, all you mob, be a part of the change.
4: This ain't a pill to will, as into to apathy. Meet us on the front, line and often an and Burn.
6: The Change is a 3CR supporter.
7: Great Voices CDs on 3CR These CDs are a unique collection Now you can go to 3cr.org.au And you can order online All the 20 CDs, 15 issues For $160 postage pay Or check the individual issues And read each track on it Every major singer is on there you'll be excited and entranced. Go to 3cr.org.au now and check out the wonderful Great Voices CDs.
8: Sometimes when you need help most, it can be really hard to speak up. If you need things like food, a place to stay or counselling support, there's no shame when you ask Izzy. Ask is a website that helps you find what you need now and nearby. It's made for mobile and all searches are anonymous. Plus, there are no data fees if you're on the Telstra network. No shame, just Ask Izzy. That's askizz A 3CR supporter.
9: Bisexual Alliance is a non-profit organisation dedicated to raising awareness and supporting people who are bisexual, people who are multi-gender attracted, their partners and their families. Bisexual Alliance runs several monthly discussion groups in and outside of Melbourne to offer support a safe space to chat about your experiences and to explore others' experience of multi-gender attraction. These groups are for bisexuals, those who are questioning and their loved ones. For more information, visit bi-alliance.org or email
3: So up first this morning, um, we're going to have a listen to a conversation that Kevin Healy from City Limits, which is a show here at 3CR, who caught up with former tax commissioner John Passant on the current state of politics.
10: John Passant of course is a as we say on this program he's a former assistant tax commissioner but these days he's a lecturer in tax etc he's been unable to get on all year because of his academic uh, commitments but um, he's on today and John since we um, announced at the start of the show you were coming on we've, had a, we've just been handed a whole list of questions people have asked us to ask you so you do generate uh, some of which I've got no idea what they mean but that's not a question and Probably
11: <laughs> well, I don't either <laughs> Well,
10: well don't give me that one yet. We'll see how you go. Um, just before we go on to what I really wanted to start with, I, I noticed Dimitri Papadimitrou, who is the, um, the, latest, um, uh, the latest economist, the latest uh, finance minister in, in Greece, in the so-called left-wing government, he was here last week seeking, seeking investment in Greece, and he's saying how things are improving dramatically, etc., uh, but part of that, and I want just a comment on this because it seemed to me to epitomize so much of what happens. He says, the economic shock has created an improvising business culture. A lot of the development funding Greece has um, has had from the EU has been directed into reinforcing this. Savage internal deflation means wages are low, bad for the individuals, but good for pulling investment, he says. Uh, Can you comment on that? It seems to me to sum a lot of things up.
11: It does indeed, doesn't it? What we need to do is make uh, workers, less well off, we need to impoverish them more so that business can thrive. And in fact mm. if you look at it in Australia, what's the what's the reserve bank saying? The Reserve Bank's saying. Wages wages have been dropping and that's why demand is dropping. Um, we've got a problem. So there's a contradiction for capital in this sense that yes, the individual might the individual company might make more profit with lower wages, but that means that demand for products is also less So some companies are going to miss out on profits as well. So um, I just think that this nonsense about improvisation and uh, low inflation and low wages and so forth is all nonsense. It's merely about shifting wealth to capital so they can address falling profit rates. But no, that's the bullshit we'll get. Ooh, sorry, that's the rubbish we'll get from from apologists for capitalism day in and day out, and it doesn't matter whether they parade under the guise of being left wing or or uh, right wing. It's not. It's really.
10: Yeah, and the um, the World Bank, of course, a couple of months ago brought out a report that showed it had moved into the commie camp or maybe, maybe Christine Lagarde had been hijacked and, and been yes. held hostage by commos or something. Cause it came out with a report that said two things. One, the trickle-down effect doesn't, believe it or not, trickle-down, the drops of yellow liquid. But more importantly, it said that the, the mantra that tax cuts for the rich and for big corporations will, will generate throughout the economy, create jobs, lift wages, simply there's no proof of that at all. And yet this week, the Business Council of Australia came out with a report after commissioning its own members that said, yes, indeed, if we got tax cuts, we would invest. And our Prime Minister, arising out of that, said, the message from business is clear and compelling. The government's plans will fuel employment, investment and economic growth. That's the plan to cut taxes for the rich. Uh, uh, there's contradiction yes. there somewhere.
11: Oh, absolutely. Um, what we've got is the government saying it's going to give 65 billion dollars worth of cuts to companies and at the same time it's uh, attacking poor people through cuts to welfare and workers through cuts to real cuts to education and health and so forth and this idea that well if we give cuts to companies what they'll do is invest in more in their own companies and in, in new opportunities And that will flow into more jobs. As you say, the IMF and the World Bank have both released studies that show that this is not true, that trickle-down doesn't work. And indeed, the trickle-down economy that was talked about in terms of Ronald Reagan, for example, didn't work. It's study after study shows. that You cut taxes on companies and the driver for capital accumulation, part of it is to invest in employment-replacing devices so that you end up Funding um, or giving extra funds to people whose driver is to replace labour with machines. And so um, the problem then becomes <laughs> that, <laughs> that it goes into making profit for them rather than for making jobs for us. And that's really what it's about. And so the BCA, the Business Council of Australia, obviously comes out and says, oh, yes, we're all about jobs, but really what they're about is profit, and the way they make profit, there's no correlation between them making more profit and uh, investing in more jobs, and study after study shows that and the IMF is just the latest one to do that, so anything else you hear is propaganda.
5: mm. John, this is Meg.
12: Um, hi. Uh, hi. Uh, I've heard about you from Kevin and that you've been working in this area for a long time. I'm wondering yep. if you're seeing people um, f- doing their own businesses, doing more self employment in response to the fact that a lot of bigger organisations are not,
5: you know, is there a move towards that kind of thing, if that makes sense? A lot of businesses are not yes, employing yes, people? Yes.
11: Yeah. Um, there is, well, there's a move to. There's a whole range of different factors going on. There's a move to um, creating a, 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 a facade that people are now self-employed mm-hmm. rather than actually being employed. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're on a contract with somebody and they're they're saying to you, "Well, you're only employed on this contract for three months, so mm-hmm. you don't get the benefits of what workers get, such as mm-hmm. long service leave, holiday pay, etc." Sick leave, et and, yeah, yeah, sick leave, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And there's a growing trend in Australia toward that. It's been going on for um, a decade or so now Mm. that people are no longer employed as workers, they're employed as some sort of notional self-employed person.
12: Um,
11: And the the tax office does try to crack down on that. Mm. But the problem with that is that um, it's not just for tax purposes, it's for for superannuation purposes, it's Mm -hmm. for long service leave purposes, it's for sick leave purposes, it's for annual leave purposes. So you start thinking about Fair Work Commissions and and unions trying to enforce these rules. And of course, uh, that's really difficult because we've got unions who are hamstrung by legislation and we've got Fair Work Commission, which really is about protecting employers rather than employees in the main. Mm. Um, You can look at it in terms of, well, even if people are being employed uh, under an award, that these people uh, might well be suffering wage theft through Mm. some of the recent examples that we're discovering from some well-known restauranteurs, for example, Mm -hmm. and uh, well-known delivery pizza pizza places Mm -hmm. and so on. And um, there's a wonderful cartoon in today's Canberra Times, and because I live in Canberra, I'm conversant with the Canberra Times, (laughs) by David Pope, which has, a couple of backpackers knocking on the police door in an, out, in, in an outback situation saying, hello, hello, wage theft, wage theft, are you doing anything about it? Mm. And of course, that's the problem, the imbalance of power and uh, needs to be addressed through giving more power to unions to be able to um, ensure that people are being pra- paid the appropriate wage of 17 or $18 and, for the minimum wage instead of $12 mm. an hour, which is what they're getting away with in some industry.
10: Even though this week the report came out that said wage abuse in these areas is endemic, uh, whenever an employer gets sprung, the employer says it was absolutely inadvertent. Um, have you had an example of an inadvertent overpayment at all, anyone? No, I haven't.
11: <laughs> and I wonder why that is. Oh, look, we were only paying them $12 an hour when it should have been $17. Just a... Just a typographical error, you know. I mean, mm. seven—the the two in twelve looks a lot like the seven in seventeen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, true. So, yeah, yeah. how, how to, how to try and convince the public that you are actually did make an innocent mistake, here at RP. I mean, what's the driver for these businesses? The driver is profit. What's one way of doing it? Exploiting, especially international students, mm. uh, on low wages. Um, are the most one of the most vulnerable sections in our society people who who need to work to survive in australia um and who uh, might are afraid of losing their job if uh, if they don't uh, keep working at twelve dollars an hour instead of seventeen dollars yeah. and it's typical it's across it's across um a wide range of industries, and if we didn't have strong unions in, in the building industry, that's precisely what would be happening in the building industry mm-hmm. as well. And in fact, it may well be happening in those areas where unions can't get in, so some of the 457 visa workers might be being, uh, are being screwed because uh, they're kept away from unions, and. Uh, um, are, are operating in, and, and conversing in languages that the unions, although they're trying to get people to help them, um, haven't got the capacity to do so. So I think really one of the questions here is the answer is stronger union yeah, because was, we've got all was, these laws. You presage my <laughs>
10: question, in fact. That, uh, surely, <laughs> surely much of this is happening because the union people are in unions in New York.
11: Yes, that's right. And there's a complex whole range of factors about non-unionisation uh, that go back, I think, to the 1980s and the Accord and the um, you know the idea mm-hmm. that union that workers and capital are all in this together rather than should should be in conflict. And I think the end consequence of that is people leaving unions over a period of time um, because unions aren't seen as fulfilling the capacity to provide adequate wages. And of course, changes in the the economic structure in society, society moving away from manufacturing into service industries, which traditionally have been less um, unionised, and then that question of moving from worker to so-called self-employed person, all these trends are undermining unions. But I think uh, if you look historically at unions in Australia, the, the times when they've had real influence and real large memberships have been when they've actually been fighting for wages through strikes and other industrial action. And I think that's something that unions in Australia need to revisit. The, the question of how you win wage increases for workers has to be not something that's constrained by the Fair Work Act and a couple of days on strike. But, you know, the capacity to pull out workers indefinitely until the bosses are uh, um, agree to your demands and I think that that's part of a wider political issue as well that, that the sense of not being able to fight for what you believe in and what you want is endemic across social movements as well that the protests have become isolated from social, social conflict and haven't pushed forward through social conflict to win what they demand um, for example the bringing of the refugees to Australia mm-hmm. the ending of the occupation of the Northern Territory, or the intervention, as it's now called, um, and so on. I think there's a whole sense of uh, a need for this next generation of left-wing people to, to understand the need to really confront the powers that be in ways that stop business as usual, whether that be through strikes or occupations of um, centres of towns and so forth.
10: Mm. 'll leave that there yeah well uh, just on that though I, I've argued that I think even the more radical unions have made a mistake in going along with by going to court and even paying fines. I think there had to come a, there has to come a time when you simply stand up to laws which are designed in the first place to render unions almost um, you know, almost useless
11: oh absolutely, and I think um, this this idea of paying fines is one that Buys unions' time, so the strong unions are fined over and over again, and they have fine funds to to cover that. But of course, if you look back in history, in 1969, it was precisely in 1969 with Clary O'Shea, mm. and uh, him being jailed for refusing to pay fines or refusing to provide the the information about where the funds were that the court could then sequestered the fund to pay the fine that saw him jailed by John Kerr. That's right. That yeah. was the
10: tramways union at the time yep. and here in Victoria and um, people might remember the incident but he was jailed and in fact that led to a general strike which got him out very quickly. Hmm. Someone, yes. someone paid general the fine. Some, some across anonymous person paid the fine very quickly. Presumably some
11: multi-millionaire businessman yeah. yeah. paid the fine and the general strikes after five days across Australia the rolling general strike stopped. Now, I'm not saying we're now in the same situation as 1969 in the sense that unions are talking about this, but those strikes in 1969 were led by 17 militant unions. Now, mm-hmm. I think in Australia today we don't have 17 militant unions, but I think it's something that militant unions need to be putting on the agenda of how do we smash the restrictive... Um, penal provisions or the restrictive uh, workplace laws that we've got now, and I think that has to be part of the agenda that they're discussing. Otherwise, we'll just end up with um, the current situation continuing and the unions paying fines, and then a bit of amelioration when Labor gets elected. But Labor, Labor, in fact, was the one that introduced enterprise bargaining and restrictions on the right to strike, and so limiting it to that period around the right to... the the, the enterprise bargaining period. And I think there should be no limitation on the right to strike. Uh, Workers have the right to withhold their Labor at any time they want, Mm. rather than being deemed illegal when you go on strike, uh, which is a classic uh, tactic of... The boss's laws, and I think you know the ALP should be condemned for introducing that. And we're
10: seeing it approach. up north at the moment in the Glencore mine situation where they're, I think they're up to a hundred and so many days, 40 or something days locked out. But the lockout by the boss is totally legal. But if they were out on strike, they'd be totally illegal. Yes,
11: that's right, and it's just another example of laws that are created that benefit um, the ruling elite or the bosses rather than Labour. And I think you know we've had. 30 something, 40 something years of this since 1984, 1985 of uh, Labour and its industrial relations laws. And I think the time's come for unions and workers themselves, the workers in the unions, to say enough is enough. We have to fight back now. And if that's illegal, uh, it doesn't matter. We just have to bring down the whole penal, penal power system. But, and, and in doing that, it, I, I think the other thing about Industrial action is that it creates a climate for left-wing ideas. So at the moment, we've got a climate for right-wing debate about, for example, my favourite issues, tax. And so the, the debate about tax is a nonsensical debate about let's give $65 billion to companies uh, on, on the mistaken belief that suddenly there'll be more jobs mm. when, in fact, what we should be talking about is why aren't companies, the 678 that paid no income tax, on revenue of $452 billion. Why aren't we taxing them? What are we talking about? Why are we letting the top 10% who own half of Australian, the wealth in Australia, and that is about $5 trillion worth of wealth, why are we talking about a wealth tax on them? Why are we standing up and saying, get rid of the GST? It's a tax on poor people more than on rich people, and impose more income tax on those who earn more than, say, $100,000. That these are the sorts of debates that can come up in the political arena once you have a driver from major sections of society around wages, for example, and better wages.
3: So you're listening to 3CR, and that was John Passant speaking there with Kevin Healy from City Limits. You can listen to the entire interview with John at 3cr.org.au forward slash City Limits.
9: Bisexual Alliance is a non-profit organisation dedicated to raising awareness and supporting people who are bisexual, people who are multi-gender attracted, their partners and their families. Bisexual Alliance runs several monthly discussion groups in and outside of Melbourne to offer support, a safe space to chat about your experiences and to explore others experience of multi-gender attraction. These groups are for bisexuals, those who are questioning and their loved ones. For more information, visit bi or email info at by-alliance.org.
1: You are invited to Sampari Exhibition, celebrating West Papuan culture. Sampari, a series of events supporting the West Papuan people's goal for self-determination. Art, discussion, spoken word performance, debate and Melanesian food and culture. Friday, 8th December at 6pm till Sunday 17th December. ACU Gallery, 26 Brunswick Street, Fitzroy. Go to Sampari Exhibition Facebook or DFAIT West Papua website. Sampari, brought to you by Federal Republic of West Papua Women's Office, a 3CR supporter.
3: So up next here at 3CR, we're going to talk to Annika De Manuel. She is the National Education Officer with the National Union of Students. She joins us now to talk about a Melbourne protest being organised against the construction of the Adani Mine in northern Queensland. Good morning, Annika.
6: Hey, how are you going? Good, thanks. How are you? Well, thank you.
3: So why has the NUS organised this rally on Friday?
6: So I'm helping to organise the rally with the Stop Adani Melbourne, a grassroots group um, organising um, demonstrations and um, support for frontline action on coal who are actually going up to northern Queensland to try and stop the construction. So I'm helping to organise it with the group um, Stop Adani Melbourne, yeah.
3: Cool. Um, so can you tell me who
6: Downer EDI is? So Downer EDI is a... Um, Key contractor for the Adani mine, they secured the contract to provide construction and engineering services to the um, Carmichael mine up in northern Queensland, so uh, all of the work that 's going up there now to build the railways mine um, to Abbott point, and then uh, you know if they if the Adani group secure their funding uh, down at EDI will be building the mine mm-hmm. so with
3: the um, railway that they 're building at the moment, is that just for the Adani mine? Or is
6: that for
3: other things as well?
6: So the um, mine, uh, sorry, the railway will be uh, servicing the Carmichael mine. But once the Carmichael mine goes ahead, uh, it just opens up the Galilee Basin to even further mines. And so people are pretty concerned that if you know the mine goes ahead, then the whole entire Galilee Basin will just be open for mining and. If this happens, it will contribute about one third of the carbon budget, which means, you know, getting up to that two degree warning, uh, two degrees um, rising in the um,
13: warming, mm-hmm.
6: and so, you know, this is just catastrophic climate change.
13: Yeah. Um. So,
3: how do you think people and communities can kind of stop this, mind going
6: ahead, and also deals in the future? Well, down at EDI has been the sort of um, target of activists since they signed the contract and so that has meant uh, protests at their AGM out uh, the front of their office. But there's also been the amazing work of people who've gone up to northern Queensland to disrupt the building of the mine itself and so there's been people who have been camping out in northern Queensland and then uh, going to the building site and chaining themselves to construction material and all the rest of it to actually, you know, put their bodies on the line to stop the mine from going ahead. So I think the things that we can do in Melbourne is help support that type of action. So actions against um, downer in the city and hoping to get to the word out around the Dani mine and the things that we can do to be a part of the Stop Adani campaign.
3: Mm, sounds great. Um, so where do people find out more info more generally and also about this rally that you're helping to
6: organise? There's lots of different organisations who are involved in the Stop Adani campaign. There's different Facebook groups. So there's um, Stop Adani Melbourne, which you can like, uh, Frontline Action on Coal. There's the um, website Stop Adani that people can go um, and find out all the different information about different actions that are going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if people want to come along to the demonstration on Friday, which will be on uh, 567 Collins Street down the Spencer Street end, we'll have sign-up sheets and people can find out heaps more there.
3: So what time is that on Friday, sorry?
6: So it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon at 567 Collins Street. And we'll be hearing from um, Adam Bant, the Greens um, member for Melbourne, uh, Kim Blymore, an Indigenous activist, um, speaking about you know the pretty terrible consequences this is going to have on Indigenous people up in Northern Queensland as well.
3: Mm. Cool, thanks for um, joining us here at 3CR, Annika, and I hope lots of people can go and make the rally on Friday at two o'clock.
6: Wonderful, thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
9: Bisexual Alliance is a non-profit organisation dedicated to raising awareness and supporting people who are bisexual people who are multi-gender attracted their partners and their families Bisexual Alliance runs several monthly discussion groups in and outside of Melbourne to offer support, a safe space to chat about your experiences and to explore others' experience of multi-gender attraction. These groups are for bisexuals, those who are questioning and their loved ones. For more information visit bi-alliance.org or email Info at by org.
8: 3CR Breakfast would like to say thanks to program sponsor The New International Bookshop for the financial support of this program. You can find nibs in the basement of Trades Hall at 54 Victoria Street, Carlton.
14: The Solidarity and Defence Fund is a democratically controlled fund that materially supports activists who are facing legal sanctions or other problems due to their stand against injustice and oppression. All contributors who pledge at least $5 a month can take part in collectively making decisions about how the fund is used. Your contributions support and grow movements for social justice and defend activists in the fight for a better world. For more information or to join... Go to patreon.com forward slash solidarity defence fund. That's P A T R E O N.com forward slash solidarity defence fund. A 3CR supporter.
1: You are invited to Sampari exhibition celebrating West Papuan culture. Sampari, a series of events supporting the West Papuan people's goal for self determination. Art, discussion, spoken word performance, debate, and Melanesian food and culture. Friday, 8th December at 6pm till Sunday, 17th December. ACU Gallery, 26 Brunswick Street, Fitzroy. Go to Sampari Exhibition Facebook or DFAIT West Papua website. Sampari Brought to you by Federal Republic of West Papua Women's Office, a 3CR supporter.
0: Birds, let the walls burn. We shout it, we scream it, but she never learned. Birds, let the walls
4: burn. United Struggle Project presents The Change, revolutionary hip-hop theatre, evolution to revolution. Join us for an interactive performance taking audience on an epic journey through the Collingwood Estate underground car park, transformed into many worlds for you to explore. Friday the 24th of November, 7pm, or the Matinee Show at 3pm on Saturday, November the 25th. Ten dollars or five dollars unwaged. No one turned away. Get your tickets now at Eventbrite or through our Facebook page.
5: Pay all you mob, Be a part of the change.
4: This ain't a pill to will, as into apathy. Mid us on the front line, and onto the empathy burn.
6: The change is a 3CR supporter.
4: Celebrate
5: International Day of People with Disability at the Victorian Disability Sport and Recreation Festival featuring over 30 exhibitors and three activity zones. Come and try different modified sports and watch a disabled water skiing demonstration. This is a free, accessible, family-friendly event. Friday the 1st of December from 10am to 3pm at Crown River Walk. For more information visit dsr.org.au A 3CR
0: supporter.
2: Welcome back to 3CR Breakfast. At the top there, we listen to Locked Up by Spinifex Gum featuring Briggs and Mar- Malira.
3: And then after that, we listen to Tears of Joy by Lucinda Williams.
2: Okay, so now we've, uh, we've got uh, Dr. Holly Dole-McAway, who's an academic at Macquarie Uni specialising in children's rights, especially, especially uh, Indigenous kids. Hi, good morning, Holly. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Um, So, uh, the Royal Commission to youth Detention in the Northern Territory was released on Friday and you've applauded some of the recommendations, but think there's room for
12: improvement.
2: Could you please go through some of the key recommendations and then tell us what's
12: missing? Sure. Look, there are many recommendations arising out of this report that I completely applaud. And if they're implemented, and that is the big if, If they are implemented, this will lead to significant change for children in the Northern Territory and hopefully have flow-over effect for children throughout Australia. Some of the key recommendations are the closure of Dondale Youth Detention Centre and high-security unit, to raise the age of criminal responsibility to 12 and only allow children under 14 years old to be detained for serious crimes. Some now I'd like to note however, are calling for a moratorium on arrest of children under the age of 12, which I applaud. Uh, the other recommendations include developing a 10-year generational strategy for families and children to address child protection and prevention of harm to children, as well as establishing a network of family support centres to provide place-based services to families across the Northern Territory. There is recommendations going to increase diversion and therapeutic approaches in youth justice and as well as developing a new model of bail and secure detention accommodation. So these recommendations are excellent and very consistent with the Convention on the Rights of the Child with respect to uh, children's protection um, in in out-of-home care as well as in, in juvenile justice settings. I I think that it's a great start, but uh, what we know from um, the Royal Commission 30 years ago into um, Aboriginal deaths in custody is that very, very few of those recommendations have been implemented, and that is my fear with respect to this report. The system is so very broken that um, attempting to uh, correct these uh, huge inadequacies that have led to Uh, the the violations, heinous violations of children's rights in the Northern Territory is something that is a huge undertaking. And I think we shouldn't stop short of UN recommendations with respect to setting the age of criminal responsibility. And I am calling for, as well as many other advocates, are calling for the age of criminal responsibility to be set at 14 rather than at 12, which is what the the commission has recommended, uh, the inquiry has recommended. Mm. And uh, I think that that will set up a a youth justice system that doesn't focus on court-based approaches to working with children and young people, knowing that um, Indigenous children are incarcerated at 25 times the higher rate than non-Indigenous children are. So we've got a very broken system that targets Indigenous children. And incarcerate children at at higher degrees higher than non-indigenous children
2: are. Um, you mentioned that the the system is broken. Um, so, is there anything critical to be about uh, to Is there anything critical about um, the recommendations?
12: Anything critical about the recommendations yeah, that
2: you have? Is? As in, like, are you critical of any of the recommendations?
12: Oh, I see, yes. So, I, what I was just saying then was more to do with the fact that we need to align with international recommendations coming from the United Nations. So, in 2007, the UN Committee on the Rights of the Child, which is the body that oversees the implementation at the national level of all of the provisions in the Convention on the Rights of the Child. So, 10 years ago, that committee, Said that setting the age of criminal responsibility at 12 years or younger is not appropriate, that that age should be set at 14 years or even up to 16 years so that the juvenile justice system is not one that is a, is um, uh, about punishing children. It's about uh, supporting children and ensuring rehabilitation for children, not in a, a way that, exposes them to exactly what the inquiry has revealed – further harm and um, and further reduced life options, which is what the report has revealed.
3: Um, I know that you've been talking a lot about the age limit. Um, I guess my question would be that 10-year – when you're 10, being arrested and putting youth detention and stuff, does that happen quite a lot or is that, like, not
12: something that we see very often – something that we're seeing a lot. So the majority of children uh, under the age of 14 who come before the Australian Youth Court anywhere in Australia Mm -hmm. are Indigenous children. Uh, In in 2015 to 16, 67% of children placed in detention under the age of 14 were Indigenous. So the concentration, going to your question, is even higher among those aged 12 or younger. That's so so crazy. Yeah, we're we're incarcerating very young children in systems that are not child-friendly. They're not about uh, improving children's life options or rehabilitation for the future. This is about... uh, Certainly, the the report uh, demonstrates countless incidences of where children were purposefully being broken. And what I mean by broken is harms crimes committed against them at the hands of the state, which essentially was endorsed at very senior levels right through to the minister for corrections. So we are actually incarcerating children at a very, very young age, and that's a huge legal problem in our in our um, system, not just in the Northern Territory, but across Australia, and that needs to be corrected. Mm-hmm. It then goes to another point that I'd like to make with respect to where are the criminal charges? There, that's a huge thing missing from the recommendations. Now we all know that a royal commission can't, of course, lay criminal charges, but a royal commission can make a primary recommendation that those who have harmed children and harmed children in such a way that many are describing the harm that children in Donvale and other correctional facilities experienced as torture. Uh, it seems counterintuitive and inappropriate to not have a key recommendation right up the top of the body of recommendations that emerged from the report, that those who are responsible for crimes against children and young people need to be held accountable for that. The irony of incarcerating indigenous children at such a high level in this country, but then committing crimes against them whilst they are incarcerated, and then not, not having the full force of the law um, to bear on those who commit crimes against them when they have been incarcerated for supposed crimes against the state. The irony, if it wasn't so deplorable, would be laughable. Mm,
2: so it's, it seems like it's justice for some.
12: Indeed, yes. And, um, and and surely, if we're a civil society, we need to ensure that those who have a duty of care to children and young people are made responsible when they fail in those duty of care. And at the most senior level, this is not about, as Olga Havan has recently pointed out across various um, places in the media, that it's not good enough to just say that, okay, the wardens or the custodians, however we want to refer to them, the low-level operational staff, not good enough to just say that um, that body of staff needs to be accountable. This is actually about making sure that the um, most senior staff members, including the minister, including those who endorse these acts against children at the most senior levels, are made to be responsible for those decisions and inaction. It's not about plucking out low-level staff members and saying, right, here's the full force of the law to be um, uh, brought down upon you. It's actually about addressing a system of Structural discrimination against Indigenous children and young people—that mm. is the main issue, and that's what Olga Habman is pointing out in the media in the last week.
2: Mm. Um, so you talked about um, the sort of ministers' responsibilities and those sort of workers that work at the detention cent- uh, at the mm. correctional centres. Um, mm. So what about the police in all this? Like they play mm. a massive role in incarcerating uh, Indigenous youth.
12: Indeed. And the report identified that the Northern Territory Police have demonstrated failings to investigate, uncover, prosecute potential criminal behaviour in the youth justice system. And the report talks about instances where senior executives and senior management responsible for youth detention have shown um, flagrant disregard for compliance with Northern Territory legislation in placing children and young people in, for example, isolation for extended periods of time, days, after day, after day. It's sometimes only one hour um, outside of those isolation periods. Uh, this, I mean, these, these acts against children completely uh, contradict provisions in the Youth Justice Act of the Northern Territory, as well as a range of international instruments, namely the Convention on the Rights of the Child. So I, I have fears that um, the recommendations... Well, the the inquiry said that the... Um, crimes against children should be referred to police for action. I have concerns about whether the Northern Territory police have the capacity, given what the report reveals about the police inaction and failures around investigation of potential criminal behaviour towards young people. I have concerns that they have the capacity to in fact do that, so there is a contradiction in the report about referring criminals matters for investigation to the Northern Territory Police, but then also talking about the um, failings of that very system in effectively uh, investigating, uncovering and prosecuting potential criminal behaviour. When we know, and certainly the research that I have conducted in the Northern Territory with children and young people demonstrate that um, discrimination against Indigenous youth is a very common thing, and Indigenous youth are being picked up on the streets, commonly are being arrested, and um, police in the Northern Territory children told me target Indigenous youth, and, um, and often on on charges that can't be substantiated. Um, so
3: it seems like through this discussion and what you're trying to and what you're saying is, I keep thinking when you're talking about the prison guards. And it's like that structural thing where it's like we need to probably charge these people, but actually it's not just about those individual officers and the whole system and everybody that was involved in that as well. Um, yeah. And I, I guess with this re- with this report, I'm like, oh, these just seem to be ways of trying to, like, come into a really broken system and trying to make that system a little bit better. But do you have ideas of just of what we could do instead of having, you know, the youth detention whole system? Yes.
12: Yeah. Look, um, I don't want to be too negative about the report. I think that the the commissioners have come up with a a huge body of recommendations that if implemented will fundamentally and radically change the way that the Northern Territory um, deals with children in conflict with the law and who are in need of care and protection. So there are many things that the the report details that can, can, if implemented, have a huge impact on uh, advancing the rights of children in Australia, particularly Indigenous children. I don't want to be too negative about that at all. Um, What I really want to um, commend is the recommendation right up the front of the report that goes to um, uh, the Commissioner's view that children who have experienced both the juvenile justice system as well as the out-of-home care system Uh, need to be involved in reforming the system. So children who have been in and out of the system, um, the commissioners have said, we want to hear your voices and we want you to be involved with the Northern Territory Children's Commissioner to have a standing committee that advises about the uh, implementation of the reform. So that, I think, is one of the most key recommendations that if, it's implemented, and if the Children's Commissioner in the Northern Territory implements that and supports that, could lead to very fundamental change that is informed by children and young people who have experienced both systems or one or the other. So I think that that's something that is very important to acknowledge and to make sure that we continue to push for its implementation. Yeah.
2: Uh, thank you, Holly. Um, uh, so. Uh that was Holly Dole McAway, who's an academic at Macquarie Uni specialising in human rights. Uh, in children's rights, sorry, and specifically Indigenous kids in Australia.
7: Great Voices CDs on 3CR. These CDs are a unique collection. Now you can go to 3CR.org.au and you can order online all the twenty CDs, fifteen issues, for hundred and sixty dollars postage pay or check the individual issues and read each track on it. Every major singer is on there, you'll be excited and entranced. Go to 3cr.org.au now and check out the wonderful Great Voices CDs.
8: Sometimes when you need help most, it can be really hard to speak up. If you need things like food, a place to stay, or counselling support, there's no shame when you ask Izzy. Askizzy.org.au is a website that helps you find what you need now and nearby. It's made for mobile and all searches are anonymous. Plus, there are no data fees if you're on the Telstra network. No shame, just ask Izzy. That's ASKIZZY.org.au. A 3CR supporter.
0: In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday.
7: Years in the Making, Radical Radio, Celebrating 40 Years of 3CR is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station.
0: At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. You can get your copy of 3CR's book for 49.50 at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy.
7: Or online at 3CR.org a u shop
0: get a piece of your own history 3cr's radical radio is available now
3: you're listening to 3cr thursday breakfast um the track we just heard then
2: was a track by
3: rowena wise called hollow hearts
2: yeah, so, uh, Victoria is set to become the first Australian state to legalise voluntary euthanasia after a historic vote in Parliament yesterday. The bill was passed, uh, in Victoria's, um, upper house with 22 votes to 18 after a marathon 28 hour setting, sitting. Uh, the voluntary's... what? <laughs> the voluntary scheme would uh would only be open to the terminally ill who are who are expected to die within six months or within a year for those with neurodegenerative diseases so 11 MPs backed the bill uh, 11 labor MPs sorry backed the bill uh, as did four liberals five greens the reasons Part, the reasons party um and vote one locals job Jobs mob party. Jobs party. <laughs> what am I even saying? <laughs> um, so once once passed, it will give patients the right to choose a doctor assisted uh, doctor assisted death from 2019. So we're hoping to talk to Shakira Hussein, who's uh, uh, written extensively on medically assisted uh, uh, what she calls suicide. Um, so uh, we'll keep you updated.
7: Great Voices CD's on 3CR. These CDs are a unique collection. Now you can go to 3cr.org.au and you can order online all the 20 CDs, 15 issues for $160 postage pay. Or check the individual issues and read each track on it. Every major singer is on there. You'll be excited and entranced. Go to 3cr.org.au now and check out the wonderful Great Voices CDs.
14: The Solidarity and Defence Fund is a democratically controlled fund that materially supports activists who are facing legal sanctions or other problems due to their stand against injustice and oppression. All contributors who pledge at least $5 a month can take part in collectively making decisions about how the fund is used. Your contributions support and grow movements for social justice and defend activists in the fight for a better world. For more information or to join go to patreon.com forward slash solidarity defense fund that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash solidarity defense fund a 3cr supporter
5: celebrate international day of people with disability at the victorian disability sport and recreation festival Featuring over 30 exhibitors and three activity zones, come and try different modified sports and watch a disabled water skiing demonstration. This is a free, accessible, family friendly event. Friday, the 1st of December from 10am to 3pm at Crown River Walk. For more information, visit dsr.org.au. A 3CR supporter.
4: but she never Let the walls burn United Struggle Project presents The Change Revolutionary Hip-Hop Theatre Evolution to Revolution Join us for an interactive performance Taking audience on an epic journey Through the Collingwood Estate Underground Car Park Transformed into many worlds for you to explore Friday the 24th of November, 7pm Or the Matinee Show at 3pm On Saturday, November the 25th $10 or $5 unwaged, no one turned away. Get your tickets now at Eventbrite or through our Facebook page.
5: Pay all you, mob. Be a part of the change.
4: This ain't a pill to will, as into to apathy. us on the front, minas, obstinates and embassy. Burn. The change is a
6: 3CR supporter.
2: And welcome back. Um, so now we've got Roxanne Moore, who is the Indigenous rights campaigner for Amnesty Australia, Amnesty International Australia. Uh, Good morning, Roxanne. Good morning. How are you going? Not too bad. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Um, So you said in a column for The Guardian that the findings of the Royal Commission published on uh, Friday into the protection and detention of children in the NT, um, that the Abu Ghraib-style brutal and barbaric Mm. injustice system, so it's a bit of a mouthful, um, for kids, especially Indigenous kids, are all too familiar. Could you delve a bit into that, please?
13: Yeah, so I, I think the most um, horrific thing really about the awful findings coming out of the Northern Territory Royal Commission's report into the protection and detention of children um, is that um, we know that these things have been happening in every state and territory. Um, and, for example, the Abu Ghraib-style hooding um, of children that um, shocks the world when Four Corners came out with their report Um, when Dylan Bowler had been strapped to the chair and hooded. Um, This um, hooding had also been done in Western Australia and the independent inspector there had found 14 instances of hooding um, between 2014 and 2016, and this only was banned after the Four Corners report came out. Um, Similarly, um, practices like hog tying, when children's wrists and ankles are put together behind their back and then joined together, Um, like an animal, this has also been done in Queensland and that came out earlier this year um, out of Cleveland Youth Detention Centre. Solitary confinement, um, where children are being locked up in tiny spaces for um, 23 hours a day, sometimes for many days straight. Um, This is happening right around Australia. Um, It's come out this year that this has been happening in Victoria. Last year we heard about it happening um, in Coburn, Um, Youth Detention Centre in New South Wales, um, and the findings out of Victoria were that children were locked up without any access to a toilet so that they had to defecate on the floor sometimes. Um, So this sort of indignity um, and and mistreatment we're seeing right around Australia, Um, the racial abuse that we've seen coming out of Dondale where... Um, guards have been um, saying just the most repulsive things to to these young people. Um, has been similarly reflected um, in allegations coming out of the ACT's youth detention centre, um, Bimberi. Um, so all of this has been reported publicly, mostly in the last year. We've seen these abuses happening in every single child prison around the country um, and these horrors must not happen to children anywhere and that's exactly why the Prime Minister has to stand up now and commit to end these practices and abuses right around the country with a national plan of action.
2: So do, do you think uh, the Royal Commission's foundings weren't good enough?
13: Look, we're still analysing the Royal Commission's findings. Mm-hmm. I think there are a number of really strong findings and then um, there are a number... Um, that we're still um, considering against international human rights standards. Mm -hmm. Um, There are um, findings which are around um, raising the age of criminal responsibility um, to at least 12 years of age, um, but moving away from locking up kids under 14, except in really extreme circumstances. Um, Amnesty International would say that the minimum age should be raised to 14, and that's what the Change the Record Coalition um, is calling for as well. A group of Indigenous and non-Indigenous organisations working on justice issues. Um, so, but, but. Basically, it's, it's that these findings can't just sit on a shelf um, and the Northern Territory Government and the Federal Government need to take immediate action to work with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community to look at these findings and the change that the community wants to see and take them forward, but not just limit it to the Northern Territory because these things are happening right around the country and that's why we need national action to make sure these abuses never happen again.
3: Um, I know that I think it's around 80%, I could have got that wrong, um, of young people in Victoria uh, actually on remand and not when they're in mm. youth detention and not actually being sentenced to be in youth incarceration. Is that is there anything that, about that in the Royal Commission that got handed down and changing that kind of practice and behaviour?
13: There is. So um, the high rates of remand are right across Australia. Um, In the Northern Territory, it's 71% of kids. Um, So remand is when kids haven't yet been sentenced or some of them haven't even yet been to trial. Um, So it basically means that these kids are being denied bail. Mm -hmm. And there's a number of reasons why that might happen. But in my research that I was doing in Queensland, for example, I heard frequently from police and magistrates that it came down to the welfare of the child, which is not meant to be um, the consideration for bail. Um, So it this comes back to why we need to support families, um, particularly Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander families, to stay strong and together, because we know that child protection um, has a huge crossover with the youth justice system. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was, of course, the other side of the Northern Territory Royal Commission as well. It looked at um, that crossover and child protection and how those two systems need to work together better. Um, So some of the solutions that they're talking about are things like, Um, having bail accommodation, Um, moving away from any sort of institution-type facility to more home-like places with a small number of kids, which is very much a therapeutic model. Um, So these kinds of things have been looked at across Australia as well, and I know Queensland's now um, looking into doing similar sorts of things. Um, but something that Amnesty International is pushing for is looking at Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islands and led um, community-based solutions, um, which was also something that came up in the Royal Commission. Um, so um, instead of, you know, creating um, more of these facilities or institutions actually looking at what community know that they need for their kids. So this might be a um, cultural camp um, run by elders. It might be a horsemanship program. Um, It might be something like Bushmob in Alice Springs that Dylan Voller went to. Um, So these kinds of things we know um, have a huge impact for Indigenous kids and help them to um, really deal with the things going on in their lives. Um, and help them make, uh, help them um, be stronger in themselves and who they are and where they come from, and make those decisions, make more positive decisions when, when really difficult things are happening in their lives, and um, give them the support they need to get out of the quicksand of the justice system.
2: Um, so three days ago, about uh, I think you mentioned this in your article. So uh, three days ago, about 100 organisations called on uh, Turnbull. To work with our local government and yes. um, in partnership with uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities, can you tell us a bit about about that?
13: Yes. So um, these 100 organisations were from all different um, sectors. So um, organisations from health, um, we've got different advocacy organisations, um, organisations working in child protection, um, legal organisations, um, all coming together. Um, right around the country to call for the Prime Minister um, Turnbull to take national action on this, um, including um, police as well, doctors and physiotherapists, um, UNICEF and St Vincent de Paul, many Indigenous organisations. So um, everyone is calling for this Northern Territory Royal Commission report not to sit on the shelf, for these learnings um, to be taken nationally Because we know that right across the country, this is Australia's shame, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander kids are being locked up at far higher rates, 25 times more um, than non-Indigenous kids. And we owe it to every single child who's in prison, who's experiencing these abuses, all of them who have opened up to this Royal Commission and inquiries around the country um, to take national action out of this so that not a single child has to go through these abuses ever again and that they have uh, a brighter uh, brighter future with opportunities to really thrive. And um, the Change the Record Coalition um, has really led this this movement for these 100 organisations to come together for this call Um, and we're calling for a national plan of action which builds on all of the work which has been done um, for many, many years since the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody 25 years ago um, and looks at the the same sort of things that are coming out of the Royal Commission um, now, um, things like early intervention and and prevention and um, diversion programs, um, looking at supporting families to stay strong and together giving children opportunities to thrive and moving away from this harsh punitive approach which we know doesn't work.
3: Cool Um, just before we finish I know that there's been talk about building a new youth prison here in Victoria Um, I was wondering if you have any information about that on what's going to happen
13: um Look, I don't have um information about where that's up to. As far as I understand it's still going ahead. Um, but I mean we would say that um you know, if you if you build more prisons, um you're just gonna fill them. And basically um, the evidence shows that um, locking kids up it doesn't stop crime, Um, you know, it doesn't make the community safer. Um, Basically, it's just really harmful for these kids. Um, They, you know, come out um, more damaged uh, um, than um, the situation that led them to be in prison in the first place. Um, And so we need to shift away from this idea of of locking up kids as the answer and move more towards supporting communities, listening to communities about what it is that they need for their kids um, and helping communities put those solutions in place. Um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander-led programs um, are happening around the country, including Victoria. Um, they work and they need support from the government. It's time for governments to listen.
3: Cool. Thank you so much for coming um, and chatting to us about this really important issue. It was really great to hear you speak. No worries, thanks for having me Thank you, goodbye So that was Roxanne Moore who was talking about the Northern Territory Royal Commission um, that just got handed down
2: Yeah, and and Roxanne's also an Indigenous rights campaigner for uh, Amnesty Australia
1: You are invited to Sampari Exhibition Celebrating West Papuan culture Sampari a series of events supporting the West Papuan People's Goal for Self-Determination. Art, discussion, spoken word performance, debate and Melanesian food and culture. Friday, 8th December at 6pm till Sunday, 17th December. ACU Gallery, 26 Brunswick Street, Fitzroy. Go to Sampari Exhibition Facebook or DFAIT. West Papua website. Sampari, brought to you by Federal Republic of West Papua Women's Office, a 3CR supporter.
0: But, the
4: The Struggle Project presents The Change Revolutionary Hip Hop Theatre Evolution to Revolution Join us for an interactive performance taking audience on an epic journey through the Collingwood Estate underground car park transformed into many worlds for you to explore Friday the 24th of November 7pm or the matinee show at 3pm on Saturday November the 25th $10 or $5 unwaged no one turned away Get your tickets now at Eventbrite or through our Facebook page
0: Hey
5: all you mob, be a part of the change
4: This ain't a pill to will, as in to Meet us on the front line, and often as an empathy Burn
6: The change is a 3CR supporter In
0: 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday
7: years in the making, radical radio celebrating 40 years of 3CR is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station
8: at 300
0: pages the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people music and technology from across the decades. You can get your copy of 3CR's book for 49.50 at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street Fitzroy
7: or online at 3CR.org Dot au forward slash shop.
0: Get a piece of your own history. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now.
14: The Solidarity and Defence Fund is a democratically controlled fund that materially supports activists who are facing legal sanctions or other problems due to their stand against injustice and oppression. All contributors who pledge at least $5 a month can take part in collectively making decisions about how the fund is used. Your contributions support and grow movements for social justice and defend activists in the fight for a better world. For more information or to join, go to patreon.com forward slash solidarity Defence Fund. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash Solidarity Defence Fund. A 3CR supporter.
5: Celebrate International Day of People with Disability at the Victorian Disability Sport and Recreation Festival. Featuring over 30 exhibitors and three activity zones, come and try different modified sports and watch a disabled water skiing demonstration. This is a free, accessible, family-friendly event. Friday, the first of December, from ten am to three pm at Crown Riverwalk. For more information, visit dsr.org.au.
0: A three CR supporter.
2: Oh, uh, uh, we're reaching almost the end of the show. Uh, so don't forget to stay tuned to 3CR Breakfast as next week we bring you coverage of 16 days of activism against gender violence. So there's a couple of events, uh, coming up. So Emily's List AGM and Feminist Festive Fair at Queen Victoria's, uh, Queen Victoria Women's Centre. Uh, that's at 210 Lonsdale Street, Melbourne. Um, and the date's on Friday, 24th of November. Uh, from six to so that 's tomorrow from six to eight
3: p m um and also we just found out that the streets workers who have had a boycott recently um, have just won their campaign, which is pretty exciting um so Unilever has agreed to withdraw their application to terminate the enterprise agreement um So, yeah, they were going to have, they were going to get a 46% pay cut, um, and that's been stopped. And it also probably means that maybe we could eat streets icy poles this summer, which is (laughs) exciting because we were going to stop doing that, um, in solidarity with, um, the people that were trying to make sure they didn't get a pay cut and have their workers' rights, you know, acknowledged and held strong.
5: Celebrate International Day of People with Disability at the Victorian Disability Sport and Recreation Festival featuring over 30 exhibitors and three activity zones. come and try different modified sports and watch a disabled water skiing demonstration. This is a free, accessible, family-friendly event. Friday the 1st of December from 10 a.m. to 3 pm at Crown Riverwalk. For more information visit dsr.org.au <laughs> a 3CR supporter. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.
3: Thanks for listening. Uh, Tune in tomorrow for Friday. Breakfast here at 3CR. Up next is Lost in Science.